Hello and welcome once again to Rasslin Memories on Pioneer 90.1 FM, online at RadioNorthland.org, and you can pick us up too with TuneIn. And not only can you listen to us live at RadioNorthland.org, you can check out the Rasslin Memories archives. Yes, we got a page with many episodes from our over, well, it's got to be now six years of Rasslin Memories. Hi, I'm Glenn Braggett, your host, and I've got a returning guest that you could probably find his previous interview on the archives at RadioNorthland.org. Uh, he's uh, back again. It's been a couple of years now. He's comic book artist. He's illustrator, comic book publisher from Philadelphia. He was here last time. Uh, oh, when just when his uh, book, his uh, graphic novel, Andre Life and Legend was released, and boy, did that book once it was released, the the word of mouth, whatever it was, it this book really took off. This graphic novel, and we're going to talk a little bit about the success of Andre the J- Life and Legend, but we're also we're here mainly this time around to talk about his latest project that just got released and this is getting some pretty good reviews some good love called is this guy for real the unbelievable andy kaufman now anytime i hear andy kaufman of course i'm i'm drawn into it already and it's a great honor and a pleasure to welcome to to wrestling memories once again back again i want to thank the, uh, mr box brown for taking the time to uh, be on the program once again sir Wow. Hello. That was quite an introduction. Well, I got to put you over a little uh, bit, man. It's been a while. Yeah. And <laughs> <laughs> Thanks for having me on. Yeah, it's uh, really nice that we were able to kind of get this set up. And, uh, you know, we were talking off mic here uh, at, at the time of this recording, uh, just talking about winter and the, the way Mother Nature just kind of hit us here in the Rasslin Memories uh, listening area and how that made me get, uh, gave me an opportunity while I was sitting in to uh, read your, your latest uh, This Is This Guy For Real? So I guess uh, out of Mother Nature, out of the nasty stuff, I was able to do something productive and was able to read this and I love this graphic novel, man. It's a, a, another perfect follow-up to your, your Andre Life and Legend book, my friend. Oh, thank you very much. You're too kind I want to talk a little bit about the last time you were here. Uh, you were uh, it, we were talking about life and legend, and it just uh, was released. I think it was maybe a week or so uh, uh, after uh, the release of uh, Life and Legend. Talk about how that book took off, that graphic novel took off for you, and and, and what sort of reaction you received from not only uh, f- you know list, you know people who bought the book, but also people in the pro wrestling uh, business as well for this contribution, this this graphic novel about. Andre the Giant, and now we're here in 2018, and uh, HBO is coming out with a documentary about Andre. There's going to be another book about Andre. So let's talk about what that reaction was like uh, upon uh, the release of that book, uh, Andre: Life and Legend. Uh, yeah, it was it was crazy. Uh, it was on the bestseller New York Times uh, bestseller list for a couple weeks. Um, it you know it kind of uh, put me on the on the map a little bit. Um, and, uh, you know, I, 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 you know, I, I, I in my mind, I, of course, Andre the Giant is like an absolute legend and, and uh, someone who deserves to be absolutely uh, put up on a pedestal. But I was, I have to admit, I was blown away by the response um, <clears throat> when it came out. Um, I, uh, you know, I, I went to a, uh, a wrestling kind of autograph show. Um, I'm walking around and, um, uh, I meet, uh, uh, Chris Hero, uh, also known as, uh, Cassius Ono in NXT. And he comes up to me and he's, and, uh, he's like, oh man, I loved your, uh, I'm a giant book. And I was like, oh man, uh, 
I love your wrestling. <laughs> um, you know, it's just, it's, 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 it's crazy. The wrestling fans are just like the best. And, um, you know, I just meeting all, not, not just people in the business, but, uh, fans I've met, uh, over the course of the last few years, um, signing books and meeting people. Um, it's just great to me that you can just like pick, you know, meet somebody and then start talking to wrestling and, uh, you know, you just pick up like your old friends right away. And, you know, and pro, for pro wrestling, too, in the comic world, they really have been colliding a lot in the past five, six, almost ten years now. So it's really been a, a, a good little, uh, I guess, uh, inclusion for have one with the other. And, and the pro, and that just adds another layer to the, the depth of a pro wrestling fan, a comic book fan, and, and a collector. So you, you're catching all kinds of different uh, areas here with uh, this crossbreed of uh, comic book and pro wrestling related comics. Yeah, there's a lot of crossover fan base for sure between comics and uh, and and wrestling. Um, I always uh, there's they're very similar businesses. It's weird. Uh, I feel like they uh, you know um, had a lot of similar things happen through the years uh, in similar ways. Like uh, in the early '90s, uh, in comics, all the characters were really huge and extreme. And uh, and then uh, and that kind of happened in in wrestling too. <laughs> yeah, it kind of catches the trends and the ebbs and the flows uh, and the cycles <laughs> yeah, of, of what uh, what is it what is you know deemed as a, a real popular act and what what the fans are, are really really going for. And also, uh, comic books and, and pro wrestling also have that nice little indie feel to it as well. They both have in common, especially uh, with the spirit of the uh, the independent comic book stores uh, as well. So they're their own sort of uh, independent uh, in and of themselves. Right. Absolutely. I want to talk a little bit about the new book here. Uh, is this guy for real? The unbelievable Andy Kaufman. Now, when did you first were, were first? I don't know. Andy was first drawn to your brought to your attention. When did were you first really aware of Andy Kaufman? For me, I'm about 41 years old, so I first kind of discovered Andy. Uh, kind of catching the tail end of, of, of starting to figure out watching TV. It was on Taxi, but I was also starting to see him on, on my pro wrestling shows, which I started watching around the time of the Lawler angle. But I want to know when you uh, first became aware of, of Andy's stuff and what was it that, that drew you into him? Yeah, so it was uh, definitely like in the mid-90s. Um, <clears throat> I was in high school, and uh, they were, uh, you know, I guess they were showing... Um, Andy Kaufman on like Comedy Central and I was like flipping through channels and you know at that time I was like obsessed with pro wrestling and um, you know you'd flip through the, the TV and you know just like, it's different now because like you can see what everything what's on every channel with the guides and all that mm -hmm. but back then you couldn't do that you just like keep flipping and I'm flipping around and I it was a game of chance it was a game like, of chance not only television viewing you were just like God, can you have something cool on please be something cool on. yeah exactly exactly <laughs> so you're flipping through the channels and, and hoping you know I, I would hope for pro wrestling to be there and I would see like every once in a while you'd get lucky and like uh, ESPN would be showing like uh, some old wrestling or something like that or uh, on the Spanish uh, language channel there'll be some sort of pro wrestling and um, and then I'm flipping, flipping, flipping. Comedy Central has pro wrestling on it, and I'm like, "What is this?" 
and it's uh, Jerry the King Lawler and uh, Andy Kaufman in Memphis. And um, and so I stuck around. And I, you know, we watched the whole thing, and then I, then they showed Andy's comedy, and I was like blown away by it, you know. And I remember the next day in school trying to explain uh, why the Andy Kaufman like explain the Andy Kaufman's bit and like why it was so funny and like I couldn't do it. No, because really it, it was you, you, it was like Andy's it was Andy's thing, you know, and, and they tried to kind of capture yeah, really and put that what in there, yeah. yeah. It's one of these things you you, gotta, you just you gotta see it, you gotta see it to believe it, you know. And with with Andy uh, too, uh, I mean, I, I remember seeing those exact same uh, specials on, on Comedy Central. The I'm from Hollywood uh, was one that they, yeah. I think they did a really really good job with to kind of uh, you know kind of paint the the whole run, not just you know that initial you know Andy uh, takes on Lawler after you know all the intergender battles and of course the incident with Foxy. Uh, it actually kind of keeps going a little bit to where you know people were like, oh, I didn't know when Andy was really going to quit on this angle because it. Yeah, you know, yeah. it you know, because because a lot of people, because when you think about it, the general public probably tuned out after the Letterman thing, really. You know, and, and yeah. Andy was still still really busy with it. Yeah, I mean, even in Memphis, like they were, you know, I mean, you can only run the same angle so long in the same territory and run in the same building every week. You know, you gotta. It would have been, you know, if, if Andy was a, was truly a, a pro wrestler, that you know, he would have moved on to just a, another territory. And done the same angle again, you know. In Florida, I'm sure he could have done it again, or, or uh, in Georgia, he could have done the same angle again, uh, with a different wrestler, you know. But he could. I mean, I don't know how many times yeah, Letterman would have let him come on, and and uh, shoot a wrestling angle. But uh, I think that if he didn't get sick, uh, we might have seen him do uh, pro wrestling somewhere else. Yeah, with him, with him passing away, we we were left with so many what ifs, and then uh, so many uh, people still wondering. What, what, he he made the ultimate escape, you know. He he this isn't he isn't yeah, gone, yeah. but you know the thing about you and you nailed it on on the head because you, it was part of that. It was uh, you know getting to be it was McMahon starting to take his shots at the territory system. You know, I think if you know if Andy wouldn't have gotten sick, you have a great plan. I, I think that he could have uh, taken that around the territories. I think Florida would have been good. Oh, Could you yeah. imagine him taking it to Dallas? <laughs> yeah, I mean, like, I, I think that, you know, he, uh, and I think, you know, a few years later, we could have seen him at, at WrestleMania, too. I mean, like, because, uh, you know, uh, 1985, Cindy Lauper, Mr. T, all that stuff, you know, for that, there was like, you know, was, when Andy wanted to come into pro wrestling, it was like forbidden for, uh, for a celeb to come in like that and, and get in the ring. Well, it was so deep in the clutches of kayfabe too, uh, and you go into that in your your graphic your novel here. And I want to talk about it because you know you really got your stuff right and got your stuff uh, real accurate. And, and not only uh, is it fun to read through the comic, uh, the graphic novel, but some of the stuff that you did cover, a lot of detail went into it. And like the Andre project, I know you must have taken a great deal of time not only with getting the comic put together, the comic, the strips in itself, but uh, I want to talk about some of the research you did to uh, get the story out and to tell the story i mean this is uh, i mean i mean this gotta be a labor of love but i mean it's still a labor when you think about it how much uh, research <laughs> oh did God, you get definitely. into it yeah um you know a lot of uh, the research process uh goes on throughout the drawing process and you know sometimes you have to go back and change stuff 
already drawn and, and, and fix it up. If you got the story, not exactly right. And I was lucky this time I was able to, to, um, to speak with a, a bunch of people who were involved, not everybody, a bunch of people. And, um, <clears throat> and, uh, that's always my favorite thing. And I was able to talk to, uh, Andy's brother, uh, who told me a bunch of really great stories. And I think I was able to, you know, give me, get his side of the story in there. And, um, you know, I spoke with Jim Cornette over the, on the phone, which was quite funny. And, uh, and, and, you know, he's, he's not, he, he not only is the wrestling historian, I mean, he was there. Uh, so he was giving me his first person, you know, recollection of, of the events and also kind of like a history lesson on Memphis wrestling. Um, <clears throat> and it was great to, to be able to do that. Um, um, but, you know, it also involved watching a lot of stuff, um, watching a lot of tape, because uh, I was analyzing wrestling matches and trying to see how he was doing this and that, and uh, reading a lot of different sources and, and searching for a lot of different things, uh, you know, all over. You know, you have your eyes and ears just like attuned to Andy Kaufman, and anytime anything even remotely related comes, comes along, you're, you're jumping all over it and reading it. So, um, yeah, it's a research process is long and, but it's fun because it's like you're, you know, uh, when you're doing something like this, you're so obsessive that you're trying to like, uh, it's almost like scratching an itch. So you're, uh, when you're doing the research, uh, it's also scratching that itch. And, you know, and not only, uh, was, was the pro wrestling aspect and the life of, uh, of Andy Kaufman uh, captured in in this uh, latest graphic novel of yours uh, is this guy for real? But you also ran it parallel to to Jerry Lawler, of course. Uh, Jerry and Andy were well known, of course, for the Memphis Feud. We've we've talked about and has been talked about so on and so forth through the years. But the way you were kind of able to uh, put in Jerry's own little backstory as well, which was very fascinating in and of itself, because considering the the where Lawler how he got his uh, foot into the business. You know, so he had his own little interesting road, very different, but still very fascinating at the same time. And both had the one redeeming factor. They had a passion for pro wrestling. So it was a very kind of cool thing the way you ran them parallel their lives uh, leading up to their uh, ultimate coupling and that ultimate angle in Memphis. Yeah, I mean, I wanted to, to include that because after I talked to Cornette, uh, he, you know, uh, you know, it's a testament really to Jerry Lawler, the whole Andy Kaufman run, just like the being open-minded enough to run it in a time when people weren't, you know, uh, went against regular uh, common thinking. And, and then just uh, the way he was in, you know, the, the whole, the whole thing involved a lot of like uh, improvisation and, uh, and a, a lot of skill that I think doesn't get, um, you know, it's, it's hard to it's hard to really encapsulate the type of skill that it involves because uh, it's it's uh, you know you're making stuff up as you go along and it, it, it's very much kind of the the type of stuff that Andy Andy Kaufman was doing uh, where he was you know he was playing a character but like in real life with people that were not playing a character you know it's common to see uh, somebody uh, to play a character on stage but not while you're, he's walking down the street. You know what I mean? The, the way that, like, uh, the way that <clears throat> a pro wrestler, especially at the time, would have to do it. Um, 
and I, I wanted to include the, the the Lawler side of it and, and point out that Lawler was particularly, you know, uh, skilled and uh, talented at at uh, at and it was uh, a big deal for Lawler too. I think being on David Letterman, but uh, you know, if, if, if you know if Andy didn't get paired up with the right guy, it would have been not so great. So it probably would have been great anyway. It would have, it would have been completely different. Mm-hmm. And I think that uh, that Andy uh, or that Jerry Lawler's part was important, and it, it was it was great for wrestling as a whole mm-hmm. because uh, you know it was it was uh, showing wrestling on a uh, uh, you know a, a mainstream place, and it, it made wrestling look good. Oh, absolutely. And I can remember as a kid seeing even clips of it on like, uh, you know, the national uh, news and on like Entertainment Tonight, which was very much in its infancy, watching those clips on it. So, you know, it was amazing to see the Memphis Mid-South Coliseum. And of course, clips of that was bicycled up here into the AWA territory where they, I do believe Andy made an appearance up in Chicago as well, just uh, kind of a one-off sort of a thing. So they were kind of playing us up here uh, with with the tapes as well. So we really became aware of, of this angle and it was just one of many different layers of what Andy Kaufman really was uh, as he grew up and kind of found his skin here because Andy when you go back into his life it seemed like he was he was a born entertainer but behind all that innocence and stuff was a very driven man and and a very and a driven young man who was uh did some of his stuff almost to the point of perfectionist you know creating these things that eventually would evolve into his his stand up comedy and some of the you know the performance art pieces he was able to do before he got into to the wrestling business yeah <clears throat> yeah and then you know I, I wanted to point out also that i think a lot of these a lot of the things he did in his comedy act um yeah were were things that he picked up from pro wrestling like the uh the idea that he came he would come to the venue in character um which is something that pro wrestlers do you know they don't they don't come uh come in there in, in one outfit and they change their clothes and then they're you know they're in their costume and then they're in character they show up in character and uh that's something that andy did and um <clears throat> the idea that that you could be like a, a jerk but that's your character and you're like trying to get a rise out of somebody uh that way um but have it also kind of be all in good fun um was something i think he he picked up from watching pro wrestling um before he got into into pro wrestling it was it was something that had already manifested itself in his in his characters tony clifton and uh among others uh, among others like the the angry guy that re- reads, uh, 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 um, what's his face? <laughs> Sorry. He, he reads, uh, uh, he reads a book really slowly. Like, and, the, uh, like the great Gatsby and, angle that, uh, Andy great did. Gatsby. Yeah. Yeah. Everybody gets all mad and stuff. I mean, that's like, you know, it's totally just heal stuff. I mean, like, uh, and I think that he, he, he got you know, those ideas didn't spring forth from nowhere. Mm-hmm. And I think, you know, you know, you talk about pro wrestling and that did really have a good role. I mean, going to the pro wrestling shows uh, early on in his life and uh, seeing uh, some of these uh, real, real true to life heels in the ring. 
a guy like Buddy Rogers. When we talk about Buddy Rogers, he really did, aside, along with Freddie Blassie, those, as far as the pro wrestlers go, the, you know, those were the two gentlemen that I think were really responsible for planting some seed in, in, in the, how he developed his characters and how he played off that, that, you know, he was always in, uh, you know, he had some character he was playing, that way of keeping his own sort of kayfabe in life while everybody else was wondering, well, what the hell's up with Andy? Yeah, yeah. Um, he definitely was influenced by Buddy Rogers for sure. I mean, like that was his favorite uh, favorite guy. Uh, um, and, and a lot of people were obviously influenced by Buddy Rogers. I mean, you know, get like a Nature Boy, the Nature Boy gimmick, and forget it. Um, and, you know, and it goes, it could go back further. I mean, you look at Gorgeous George and stuff like that. Um, those type of characters, but. Uh, uh, yeah, and, and and classy Freddie Blassie too. I mean, he just had that like innate, you know, ability. He had a million lines. You know, he he he, you know, he was he was classy Freddie Blassie. He could do that, you know, do that at any time. And uh, and and uh, Andy's Andy, you know, he was ahead of his time in a way. I mean, like he 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 saw something in the heels uh, in a time when you know pretty much everybody liked liked the good guys. I mean. Um, you know, later on, you'll see like in the nineties, everybody, uh, started to get into, you know, uh, rooting for the bad guys or whatever. But, but back in the day, you know, everybody rooted for the good guys. Like, uh, Andy goes and sees, you know, when, when, when Bruno San Martino wins the world title, uh, you know, everybody, everybody went crazy in the building except Andy because he, <laughs> he wanted Buddy Rogers to win, you know, uh, so, uh, yeah, he was definitely influenced by by the heel characters. And you know, and you know, not only did he he has that memory, and you capture that in uh, in a portion of the of your the graphic novel. Uh, the funny thing is that Buddy, you know, Andy didn't forget about Buddy either. I mean, there's a lot of people, a lot of talk was again with with Blassie, but Buddy was 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 in within contact with with Andy and in, in, during uh, Andy's run with the the intergender wrestling as well. So he kind of kept tabs yeah, he, on him uh, too. Yeah, he had he 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 brought Buddy Rogers on Saturday Night Live um, for one thing, <laughs> uh, and but it was later on in Buddy's career, and like uh, I guess you know he 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 was, uh, you know he was a little slow on his delivery. I think you know that you can watch the tape, uh, and I think at one point you know uh, Lauren Michaels wanted to cut the Buddy Rogers part for the live for the live performance and. Andy wouldn't go on unless they, unless they let uh, Buddy Rogers. I mean, I would have, I would have felt the same way. You know, he's your hero. You brought him out here to be on Saturday Night Live. They cut a scene. Uh, forget it. But Andy wouldn't go out unless they, uh, you know, they, you know, he wouldn't go on unless they had Buddy Rogers. I mean, if they didn't cut a scene, Lauren Michaels was really, really angry about it. Just one of the many ways that Andy really kind of hit was on his own in his own time zone and on his own wavelength. Uh, and, and another act uh, that was not in the pro wrestling world that really definitely had an impact on Andy, and, and Andy did a very honest, true to uh, true to the uh, the man himself uh, portrayal of him. That even some of uh, the impersonators that uh, were spawned later on and down the road kind of took a cue from. It was Andy really had was very passionate about Elvis Presley in a way that, you know, at the time when Andy, you know, people were turning away from Elvis, the youth was going in other directions. Andy kept 
Andy was always loyal. Andy was a fan of Elvis Presley. And having a, a chance encounter with Elvis, too, was uh, another thing that just kind of... Uh, Put Andy in that different direction because at that time when he, you know, did discover, you know, and, and had that meeting with Elvis, Andy was, you know, embracing, you know, transcendental meditation. He was getting off the alcohol and drugs. He was really starting to focus on his career. So there was lots of different stages uh, of which uh, Andy and Elvis had that that association as a fan and as an inspiration. Yeah, yeah. I mean, it's it's actually amazing. Like. um he, you know, he loved Elvis and, and he wanted to be, you know, a, a great performer like Elvis. And he, you know, uh, he met him in, in Las Vegas and he like was hiding in his dressing room kind of, and he jumped out and he met him. And then, but then he did this Elvis impersonation, which kind of became like the standard Elvis impersonation. Um, and, and, and Elvis loved it. You know, um, Elvis thought that Andy was, you know, Andy was his favorite of all the Elvis impersonators. Uh, Andy was uh, was Elvis's, you know, his favorite one. And even after Andy's death, or after Elvis's death, um, he visited Graceland, and they had tapes of Andy's performances. Uh, Elvis had them recorded, and he kept them, uh, which was cool. An amazing thing for Andy. I imagine, you know, he grew up, you know, wanting to be this guy, and then uh, you know, he uh, Elvis appreciated what he did, which is uh, which is pretty cool. Yeah, that's got to be know, the ultimate uh, pat on the back, especially again, you know, having such a love and appreciation for what Elvis did, and to have uh, Andy yeah. you know, go out and do this stuff in, in tribute, and not have Elvis be insulted, but more thinking that, hey, man, this kid's this kid really does respect me, and I respect him, and you know, and it's a back and forth appreciation. Yeah, yeah it's pretty cool. Uh, I think that's that's awesome that that was able to happen, and I think. In a way, the whole thing with uh, <clears throat> Andy uh, faking his own death and is Andy really dead? Is Andy really alive? Uh, it, I kind of see that as a uh, a tribute to uh, Elvis, his final tribute to Elvis, because after Elvis died, it, you know, it was all over uh, uh, the Enquirer stuff. Everybody was saying that Elvis was still alive too. We're talking with Box Brown, uh, the author of a very cool graphic novel. Is this guy for real, the unbelievable Andy Kaufman? And we're going to get now into the pro wrestling a little bit more. But before I do, I want to talk about a guy that came into Andy's orbit. uh, And boy, you couldn't have found a more perfect partner in crime for uh, Andy to to create his vision and to do some of the stuff that he did to help him out, whether it be playing his lawyer or playing uh, the Tony Clifton character. This guy did so many things uh, for, for Andy as well. And they had a rather interesting uh, partnership as far as, you know, professional partnership and friendship. I want to talk about the role Bob Zamuda really did play into really getting Andy, uh, even f- taking this thing even further with the Tony Clifton, and then, of course, the intergender wrestling. I mean, Bob Zamuda, you want to talk about the right guy, the right place, the right time for Andy Kaufman. There couldn't have been anybody else, you know? Yeah, I think Bob um, really, even more than Andy, liked this idea of, um, you know, uh, freaking people out. Like this is, this is, this comes from like the sixties, um, and, uh, you know, freaking out the squares and stuff like that. Uh, I, I talked to Bob on the phone and he was telling me that, you know, him and his friends would go to like the zoo and be like, the lion escaped, the lion escaped and start running. And so just to watch people run and, 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 and freak out, 
I mean, this was a thing that, you know, that was, he would do for fun. So, uh, when, it, when he met Andy and Andy would like to like to play these characters, it was kind of like this weird match made in heaven. And, uh, if you watch any of Andy's old bits, they're, they're all over YouTube. You'll always see like this, whenever there's any other character in it, it's usually Bob. And, uh, you know, he, he was the referee for a million of his wrestling matches. Uh, but, um, you know, uh, also he was, you know, he, he played the Tony Clifton character, you know, most of the time it was Bob. Yeah. You, he, he's been a plant. He's been a plant on certain comedy segments. You know, the the guy that Andy tortures in the crowd. I mean, Bob was just everywhere. When you realize it now, when you watch all the tapes, you know, you're able to uh, look at it like, man, he was there like every time. No, you know, not everybody bought in because not everybody knew who really who Bob was and except those really truly in the know in the comedy field. Yeah, he was always there. He would be the assistant. He would be the the masked magician. He was he was a guy in the crowd. You know, he was, was always whenever they needed anybody. That was Bob, and you know, he was often the referee of the uh, of these uh, intergender matches that they would do. And oh my, the intergender wrestling. You know, you talk about a time when 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 Andy started doing this. I mean the women's liberation thing was really taking off in the 1970s. You know, people wanted equal rights, equal everything. And you get Andy with this idea where he really, really kind of took another direction from, from, from what was, was being fought for. And, and his idea of these, these wrestling, these women, I don't know. He took it in and he even brought it further. I mean, again, resorting back to some of the stuff he acquired watching pro wrestling characters like Freddie Blassie and Buddy Rogers he really took this thing to the extreme at a time when, uh, yeah, I mean, this was still, I mean, this is not in the era of everything with social media and all that and nothing shocking. This was something that, you know, Janie and uh, Janie and Jeb uh, in the Midwest were probably freaked out the first time they saw. So this was definitely uh, had its own sort of shock value attached. This whole intergender concept that Andy had and, and, and really with help from Bob really drove through it and, and put this thing into orbit and headed on every, it seemed like it was everywhere on TV. Yeah, it was like an easy way to, um, it was an easy way for him to get the crowd to turn on him, you know, um, you know, everybody would, would see this behavior as, uh, as, you know, abhorrent behavior, um, because it's so, it's just so offensive, you know, nobody would, nobody would approve of this type of, uh, this type of behavior. And it was that way the crowd would easily turn on him right away. Um, and you know, uh, you know, it's something I didn't realize going into it, that Andy also liked to wrestle women in his private life, um, off stage. Was that something that he, um, he might've been influenced, uh, from by Elvis too, from, I mean, I don't know. Is that true? true yeah, form? There's, a, there's, I mean, you know, there's, that's the story is that there was an unauthorized biography of Elvis. And in the unauthorized biography, uh, it said that uh, Elvis liked to enjoy watching women wrestle uh, in their underwear. And uh, and Andy was like telling Bob about this. And and uh, and he was like, I'd like to see that, you know. And uh, and then Bob got him uh, these eight millimeter videos of it and then helped him set it up and next thing you know they're they're wrestling women on on, uh, TV and Saturday Night Live and all this stuff so it was a weird crossover Um, 
and, uh, you know, I didn't necessarily know that all that was going on when I set out to do this book, but something that I wanted to, uh, you know, I couldn't turn away from. And it was, you know, uh, each their own as far as it goes, you know. And, you know, the outfit that they had set up for Andy, when you watch these clips, I, I mean... He he was like multi multi layered. I mean, it was always it was kind of like the damnedest thing when you saw it the first time. It's like, but then when you get into it, you kind of read and you find out more about it. There was a method to why this outfit was on, and it was kind of uh, basically uh, keeping little Andy uh, in check. Yeah, he was. He basically wanted to, uh, you know, hide whatever was going on. You know. Yeah, he always did. He looked silly. You know, like, what is he, what's he doing? Because he, he would wear, like, a long underwear, but also shorts and socks. It was, like, I think also, like, part of his comedy also was to create a silly visual. And um, that definitely was silly. And he took this, uh, you know, on, on TV. I mean, this was really hitting the circuit. I mean, not only Saturday Night Live, but there was also uh, an episode of which Andy hosted the Midnight Special. I mean, there was the, you know, programs like this. So, I mean, this was, this wasn't just, you know, shied away from this was actually given a, a little more spotlight. And I guess it's kind of the, like the fever of pro wrestling, the love them or love to hate him sort of thing with Andy. And uh, it was right around this time too, that uh, Andy was getting a little bit more of an itch to go beyond just, you know, these TV appearances. Andy wanted to go get himself involved in the pro wrestling business and he did have some sort of action, a little bit of traction, not a lot, with, with the Worldwide Wrestling Federation. And, and let's kind of talk a little bit about Vince Sr. and Vince Jr. Well, Vince Sr. was running the show while Vincent uh, Kennedy McMahon was, uh, you know, with the announcing and behind the scenes. But how he got, you know, Andy kind of found his way in, in there, but it, albeit for a short time. Uh, how Andy, uh, you know, found he even was on a brief TV appearance on on a, on a Madison Square Garden show. Let's talk a little bit about how Andy yeah. Andy almost got almost had this angle go off, be put you know into the world Rest, worldwide wrestling federation pre WrestleMania type stuff. Yeah, so he uh, used to skulk around kind of uh, uh, at Madison Square Garden where they'd have these events all the time, and he uh, you know he'd use his everybody knew him from Taxi. So he would just kind of sneak back and people would be like, oh, uh, I guess it's okay for him to be back there, <laughs> the guy from Taxi. And um, and so, uh, you know, he made friends with a lot of people back there. He met uh, Bill Astor back there. And, um, and uh, he, you know, he would, uh, he would try to, he would bug this Mr. Bill Sr. And uh, about getting out there. He wanted to do his, his uh, wrestling, you know, for them. Uh, you know, the thinking at the time, um, you know, Mr. McMahon Sr. was an old school guy. And the thinking at the time was that, uh, you know, celebrities uh, would would cheapen the whole thing for everybody. You know, it would cheapen the, it, it would make the, the wrestling, you know, uh, seem less legitimate if, if this, this skinny celebrity guy can get out there and do it. So, um, you know, they, they had no, they had no interest in him wrestling. Um, they had some, you know, they, you know, uh, they did a little interview with him one time. It's on YouTube, um, at, you know, at ringside and he does a little stick a little bit, but, but as far as like getting in the ring, that was not happening. And, uh, and so, uh, he was one night talking to Bill after, you know, uh, 
Pro Wrestling Illustrated and their Hall of Fame. Uh, you know, a well-known uh, editor for wrestling magazines. And, uh, and uh, him and Bill got to be friendly, and uh, he came back to Bill's apartment, and they're sitting around hanging out. And it was Bill's idea to uh, contact uh, Jerry K. Lawler in Memphis. Uh, because in, you know, in Memphis, those guys ran shows every week and they had to sell at a 10,000 seat arena weekly. And so they were always doing all kinds of weird stuff, you know, the, uh, the pro wrestling mummy and Dracula and all this stuff. And, uh, and, and, you know, Jerry Lawler, of course, was interested in it, uh, having the guy from taxi, uh, in a wrestling angle and all that. And, uh, they ran with it and it was, uh, you know, something that, that uh that Lawler did uh you know it, it, they they took took it pretty much as far as they could take it and uh and and it was big great big exposure to be on table the Letterman for for Lawler and it was great for the business and all that and the thing too with Andy with what I think really got the the, the angle over as well box uh, was uh, him and Zamuda sending those home video those video packages that he'd record on those home that home video camera uh, back in the day that they would send to the Memphis TV when he wasn't uh, in that really kind of kept that that angle going and some of the impersonations of the fans and just the real genuine raw bone heat that he could draw from those that that those, those in and of itself too uh, were, were just amazing and kept the fans and kept his name and kept his fans the fans hating him and really that that too was very integral to to keeping that angle alive. Oh yeah, that was amazing. Um, you know, he would you know that's another thing that like Andy was fantastic at cutting promos like that. You know, he you know uh, you know. I, I, as far as any so you know, there's been a lot of celebrities that have gotten to pro wrestling at this point. I, I, I never seen it. you know he's he's as good good or better than any anybody uh, anybody else on the roster at that time. You know um, the way he could cut a promo and with such passion and all this, and he'd be screaming like a maniac, and he'd he'd be, you know be explaining how to use soap and all this. Um, he you know he was. Uh, he was a natural in, in some ways, you know, if he, if he hit the gym, you know, if he, you know, if he didn't get sick, you know, if he hit the gym a bunch, he could have been for real. He could have been legit, you know, <laughs> you know, he had the, he had the, the talent. Yeah. And it was just so unfortunate again. I mean, he was still, you know, the, until he got sick, there were still many things that they were, they were ready to explore. Uh, but again, Andy, Andy passes away. And uh, you know the world didn't really forget about Andy. And uh, you know by the mid nineteen, mid to late nineteen nineties, for what it's worth, there was a biopic put out by directed by Milos Forman, uh, "Man on the Moon." Now, what did what did you think uh, uh, about that? I mean, because it was right around the time that you, not that long after that, you you know before that you were uh, you know started to discover Andy stuff on Comedy Central, kind of started to get to know the guy. When did you see the the movie? And what was your your genuine opinion of that movie? Uh, that the first time you saw it, maybe up until the last time you've seen it, uh, as far as what they did in regards to Andy's career and uh, the thing they did with with Jerry Lawler. And and wow, it, it was kind of kind of surreal to see Jerry uh, in, in a movie wrestling Jim Carrey. But I want to know what you thought about about Man on the Moon. Yeah, I mean, I, you know, I saw it when it came out, and, and uh, you know, in some ways, uh, Jim Carrey's performance was amazing. You know, um, incredible. I mean, he, you know, he he uh, he got his a lot of the mannerisms 
you know, exactly right and a lot of uh, way he spoke and things like that. Um, <clears throat> sometimes I think that he missed uh, a little bit of the character of Andy Kaufman. Um, you know, like he, uh, during filming, Terry uh, was playing pranks on, on Jerry Lawler and and calling, you know, maybe he was trying to do promotion for the film or whatever. And, but, but, you know, he, you know, he wasn't including Jerry Lawler in, in, the, in this stuff. And, um, and I, Andy wouldn't do that. Andy was like way in, you know, way respectful of the wrestlers and of the business. And, um, you know, the idea that he was like a complete and utter, like, uh, you know, prankster that was even pull, pulling pranks and, and not being real at all with the people he was working with it is is silly. That's not even not the case. And um, so I think in, in some ways they miss miss those aspects of uh, of Andy and and I think they could have uh, honestly depicted more of the pro wrestling and 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 stuff like that. So <clears throat> yeah, I don't know. So it's a, it's not a bad film. I mean, I I think uh, you know you know everybody has their opinion on stuff. Yeah, it's, I would have wanted a little more of, of the wrestling angle as well. Uh, but yeah, I thought that though watching the Jim and Andy documentary, I, that was uh, quite an interesting uh, delve and dive into uh, Jim and how he morphed and he did the method stuff with with as uh, Andy became becoming Andy. And and just you can really see behind the scenes just what a genuine jackass he was to Jerry Lawler and again and then yeah, the whole yeah. but the whole thing is you, when you think about it the real history of it was you know Andy and, and Jerry were, were they were very quite they were quite friendly they made this angle go for how long it wasn't a, a hate yeah. thing it was just such a, a to see this and, and and to see Jerry just genuinely I mean there was. I mean, he he could have snapped more on more times than he did on, on the time he was on that set, and and the way Jim just kept egging him on. Yeah, yeah. That, I mean, that's the thing. Like, <clears throat> so it makes me lead, leads me to believe that Andy missed if he's if he missed that aspect of it. I feel like that he might have missed some other aspects of his character. Um, and, and it's just silly. It would be you know who would do that? Andy wouldn't do that. I, I think that uh, also, um, you know, Jim Carrey saw him as like a, a real obsessive compulsive type. But Andy, I don't know if Andy was super obsessive compulsive. Jim was super is upset was obsessive compulsive about the being the character. I don't know if Andy was like that. He's kind of discovering so, maybe um, maybe using the darker sides of his own persona and, and emoting them into the character right. of Andy. Right. Yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, I don't know how acting works, so maybe you really have to get into the character that way. I think uh, we, I think uh, we, maybe you should just stick to uh, putting out some more wonderful graphic novels. I mean, this uh, one was yeah. uh, another home run. Uh, is this guy for real? The unbelievable Andy Kaufman. And uh, where could uh, the listeners today uh, who are curious to check out uh, your this uh, fine uh, novel? Where can they Where can they find that, uh, Mr. Brown? Uh, any of their local uh, comic books st- or bookstores or anywhere they sell books. Um, and you can find me always at uh, com. I have to ask, uh, you know, you've, you've, you've come out with, with Andre and now you've released this, this uh, wonderful uh, novel on 
uh, and Andy Kaufman and Jerry Lawler and and how their 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 paths collided. Is there a list of 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 of, of graphic novel topics uh, from the pro wrestling world that you would like that you have in your short list that you would like to get going that you would really like to get into if everything kind of played out right and the elements all kind of were all properly aligned? Do you, who would be on the the box brown short list uh, of people you'd like to uh, uh, keep on this uh, series of wonderful uh, graphic novels involving pro wrestling? Oh, I don't know. A lot of times I think about the uh, the Von Erich family. I feel like that could be a uh, really good story. I mean, it is a good story. Um, it's, a, it's a tragic story. Um, there's a million, a million wrestling stories that could be told. Every day I feel like I hear a new a new story from pro wrestling that could be a comic. Now, I think of one that that nobody really wants to touch in the pro wrestling business because of politics and sort of the uh, the power he held through the years. But I think maybe you can find an interesting portion of his uh, life as a promoter, uh, as a mover and shaker in the pro wrestling business uh, through his time uh, on Earth. Jim Barnett. Yeah, I mean, like any all these guys, any one, every one of those uh, promoters had had crazy stories, and, and were all unique in their own ways, and. And, um, and, and all, you know, we're, we're, uh, we're, uh, yeah, yeah. In, you know, uh, putting something into the business and, uh, creatively, uh, before, you know, it became this, what it is now. I mean, I'm thinking, I mean, you, you know, talk about one promoter or promoters, you can almost put it like a series of them or a digest and call it the NWA in the early years. Yeah, I mean, just like that, all the whole territory system is just so unique. It's a unique, uh, in the business world in American history, it's a unique story um, from that perspective. And, you know, just the, the, way, the way it influenced what we have today is huge. Now, what do you got? Uh, you got anything uh, cooking right now as so we're speaking uh, today? Is there anything uh, upcoming here for you uh, in the not-too-distant future that you're working on? Uh, I'll have, I will have another book out next year or uh, next April. Um, I can't really talk that talk about it yet because it hasn't been announced. But uh, I'll be back on tour again next year. Oh, that's always good to hear. Uh, again, kudos to you on uh, capturing the life of Andy Kaufman in a wonderful uh, graphic novel. Is this guy for real, the unbelievable Andy Kaufman? I, I wish you great success. I hope it follows and even uh, goes above and beyond uh, your wonderful Andre the Giant Life and Legend book. It's a pleasure to get a chance to chat with you, my friend. Uh, and definitely, uh, we will not be strangers in this uh, pro wrestling nostalgia world. <laughs> thank you very much thanks again for having me on alright for Box Brown this is Glenn Brockett you have been listening to Wrestling Memories 